It's Wednesday, October 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Right off the bat, let me say this is a short week for us here on Market Foolery. So this is our last episode of the week because our annual meeting kicks off today. Yes, The Motley Fool has an annual meeting. For those of you among the dozens of listeners who are relatively new, thank you for listening. Yeah, The Motley Fool is, is closing in on 500 employees, and our annual meeting starts today. So, uh, this is our last episode of the week. We'll be back on Monday. And as I always say, check out the other Motley Fool podcast whenever you get a chance. Today, we've got earnings. We've got an update on the beer industry. We're going to start with the behemoth that is Microsoft. First quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected for Microsoft, but guidance, I guess guidance for Q2 was a little bit lower than Wall Street was hoping for because the stock is down around 4% today. Yeah, you know, we had uh, talked earlier in the day, as we sometimes do, uh, about the idea of doing uh, previouslys, uh, you know, before the story so that people would have all the information they needed to know uh, as we actually hit stories. And so, and I frequently as, do and this. And by the way, as, as, you know, many a great drama has done previously on the West yeah. Wing. Yeah. And so, this actually is not a tangent. This is going to be relevant to the point. So, uh, yes, Microsoft is down 4% today, uh, but it's, you know, now up 30% instead of 35% for the year. Uh, the good year that Microsoft is enjoying is priced in to a degree, although a lot of people are still very enthusiastic about Microsoft at these prices based on those parts of the business that did very well uh, for the quarter and are likely to continue to do well, uh, basically games and uh, cloud. And, and you know, some other things are taking a little bit of a breather, but those are two items that are going to continue to be strong. Yeah, you know this. This is where um, I think this is where it's great to be a foolish investor, an investor with a long-term view, because if you liked Microsoft yesterday, uh, guess what? You get to buy it at a discount today. It's not a huge discount, but this is the this is the short-term mentality at work. Um, and you know, not to, not to not to rip on Wall Street. There are a lot of smart people who work there, but just the business model is different there for investors than it is for us. Uh, sure, and yeah, I, you wouldn't. This is not a stock that you would be happy if you were jumping in and out of it over the last couple of years when it, it continued as a stock to be a roaring success. It did take about a. 10-year breather from being a, a phenomenal stock because back in the late 90s, 2000, it, it really priced in uh, ahead of time all of the success that it was about to enjoy for the next decade. Uh, and sometimes the market will do that. I, I don't think that the valuation uh, today is an even an echo of, of the problems that the stock valuation had back then. You know, you've got Azure um, up 48% for the quarter. You've got Xbox content uh, up 30% year over year for the quarter. You've got some of the other cloud parts uh, up around 20%. So it's certainly growing uh, well. Some of the other things taking a breather so that I think the total revenue growth was more in the 12, 13% category, which given the size of Microsoft is still very impressive. I like the idea of a stock taking a breather, as 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 though Microsoft got together in sort of the early two thousands and said, ah, 
this run we've been on, it's kind of t- you know, what if we just took a break for the next 10 years and just the stock really didn't do anything? Well, we'll keep being profitable. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep plugging along, but let's, can we just, it's so tiring. <laughs> well, the, the, the business didn't take a breather during that time, uh, but uh, investors uh, in the stock uh, had, to, had to wait for the business to catch up with uh, what really was at the time. Uh, is certainly not restricted just to Microsoft. Uh, I think those that are newer to the market have heard uh, about the the late '90s, 2000 sort of period of uh, you know dot com the bonanza stock valuations, uh, many of which uh, are no longer around. They flamed out. They were never going to thrive. Uh, Microsoft went along for the ride as a stock. Certainly uh, had has had. You know, two decades since then of phenomenal compounding growth as a business, and the uh, the marriage of the the stock and the the business are much much closer today than it was back then. Shares of Boeing down three percent after Boeing's third quarter loss came in at closing in on five hundred million dollars. This is compared to a year ago. Uh, when in the third quarter, Boeing put up a profit of $1.2 billion. And CEO Dave Calhoun being pretty clear of continuing the trend of job cuts at Boeing. Yeah. Uh, returning to the theme of, of the previously, is on a, on a previous episode, you asked if there were a CEO that I could spend a day or a week or whatever a month with uh, and just sort of shadow and learn from and, and observe who would it be. And I went with Oscar Munoz, who uh, at the time was a CEO at United, uh, because of how fascinating the variety of issues that somebody in that business would be dealing with. Um, and we're, we're seeing some of the downside of that uh, for Boeing right now, the issues predominantly are uh, COVID and people's very specific fears about flying. Now, the airlines have the opportunity, and you're beginning to hear this, uh, reports coming out, studies on the relative danger of flying um, from a COVID standpoint versus some other things. And because of the circulation of the air, I, I'm certainly in no position to weigh in very much on whether this is safer than people think. Uh, but the airlines uh, are trying to get that story out. Uh, Boeing is a bit of a second derivative off of the story of, of airline use. And uh, boy, they you know they have a lot of lost sales, not just from the the max, but uh, from COVID. And they've got uh, they've got a lot of painful job cuts to go through both already this year uh, and next year as they've now announced their planning. Well, and if you're any of the major airlines uh, and you're buying your planes from Boeing, you're doing the math on the wear and tear on the aircraft, what you think the refresh cycle is going to be like. And because so many planes are grounded due to lack of interest on the part of consumers to actually get on an airplane and fly. You know, this is a ripple effect that is is not hard to see. Uh, no, no, but it it's a challenge for the airlines to 
so the story that uh, the Boeing CEO was pitching, I caught a little bit of his interview on CNBC this morning, was that it was safer to be on a plane than to go to the grocery store from a COVID perspective because of the air refresh uh, that, you know, technologies that, that are in planes and, and the circulation patterns of air. Now, I think that's not something that you're going to be able to sell quickly to people. Uh, and the science may be there. Certainly people have to go to the grocery store uh, if they're not going to get their groceries delivered. Uh, and, you know, they don't have to fly. So is it, you know, a, a health risk at all to fly? The airlines are going to be within the bounds of uh, taking on any sort of legal liability for over-promising on what the science might be, going to try to promote everything they can, just as you and I promote the science of coffee drinking. Sure. Uh, they're going to go with the studies, try you know, try to not only promote a story that, that you know, is in their interest, but to actually design the safest uh, flights they can. And that begins in part by separating the passengers uh, from each other. And that's a problem, you know, that's going to continue for, for a while in terms of how packed in you can, you can make a plane and keep anything safe. But don't you think that all of this is going to happen at once? And what I mean by that is um, I, I, I flew in September. I went up to Boston uh, to visit some family. Um, it was uh, for not a great length of time, and it was um, uh, very targeted in terms of what I did, where I went once I got to Boston. Um, you know, the, part of the challenge that the airlines are dealing with right now is, well, why would people get on a plane? What are you going to go do? Are you going to go to, in, in the case of me and my family, are you going to go to a big Thanksgiving gathering? Uh, no, that's not happening this year. You know, are you going to go to Disney World? No, that's not. <laughs> so it, it seems like increasingly we're going to get to a point where the chat, the, and this will be in a good way for the airlines, the challenge at some point they're going to face is a massive increase in demand. You know, when there is nationwide testing in place, when there is a vaccine, when there is a massive opening up of things, then people are going to be like, okay, thank God, we've been trapped in our homes for a year, for 18 months, for however long it is. Uh, I, that's, that's how I see this playing out. Well, uh, certainly the travel was coming back. You, uh, there were headlines about up to a million passengers a day uh, in the U.S. for the first time since March, and I think the you know number of passengers was more like four million a day at, at peak times, something like that. Uh, maybe I've, maybe it was three. At any rate, the the passenger traffic had improved. Uh, now that you've got these headlines uh, of the most recent week, you know, on, on new surges of cases, uh, people have backed off flying again, even though, you know, I think that the science would say it's within the planes, it's about the same as, as it was. But there are more people just out in the population affected. So it stands to reason that there would be more people on your flight uh, potentially affected and people are uh, backing away from their flights again. Uh, they're certainly not going to be the, the kind of seasonal holiday traffic that uh, airlines depend on. And, and 
you know, again, going back to Boeing, Boeing is going to be a lagging indicator because the number of miles not flown uh, by planes pushes back those that need for new planes. So both the, the, hey, how many people are flying and how run down are our planes, both of those are working against Boeing. And, and in the meantime, they've got, we've barely even talked about the ongoing problems. They've got convincing anybody that their max is a safe plane. And, and that's, you know, they're, they're sitting on a stock price. It's about a third of it was uh, of what it was before this all happened. And, you know, they've got a long way to go to get back to uh, having the, the prominence that they once had. Let's move on to Tupperware. And yes, I said Tupperware. Third quarter profits were three times higher than Wall Street expected. Shares of Tupperware are up more than 30% today. And over the past six months, this stock is up 1,000%. This is a 10-bagger <laughs> since March. Uh, yeah, no, it, uh, more than that. I mean, it was like a buck 15, right? Uh, a share, and now it's, uh, what, what is it right now? It's, it's in like the high 20s. So it's, it's you know, 20x. Uh, and a lot of that having come today, up 35%. So yeah, back from the dead. This was this was uh, basically a zombie uh, in March, and not just that it took a hit like all the other stocks out there took going into the worst day of March. This has been bleeding both sales and share price for years. Uh, you know, the a once proud company. It didn't get to a dollar a share just off of COVID fears in March. Uh, it, it's been, you know, it was about a two and a half billion dollar a year revenue company four or five years ago, about one and a half, one, 1. 1.8, uh, last year. And, you know, it's, it's beginning to perk back up. People are at home. People are cooking more at home, storing their food. Uh, Tupperware's seen a, a surge of, of sales. You've got, as in our case, we've got most recent Tupperware purchase from uh, children being at home and uh, seeing ways that we could be more environmentally friendly uh, in our food storage and, and not using so much uh, aluminum foil or something to wrap up uh, leftovers. So I, I think that's a that's a thing they're they're pushing is that they're an environmental uh, company, which is you know a nice play for somebody that makes as much plastic as they do. I want to get to Halloween candy in a second, but before we do, um, we got some news out of the beer industry today, and it's from Carlsberg and Heineken, which, you know, those are two publicly traded companies. They're not really on the radar of U.S. investors in the way that Anheuser-Busch or Boston Beer Company are, but they're two of the biggest brewers in the world. They came out with their latest quarterly results, and I'm curious what you think of them, because it, it seems like, and this probably shouldn't be a shock, but it seems like they are struggling to varying degrees because of the various shutdowns we've seen in restaurants and bars and pubs around the world. Yeah, both global companies, both. Uh, so, Carlsberg is a Danish company uh, and uh, Heineken out of the Netherlands. So, in part, this is a function of Carlsberg being a Scandinavian company company, and uh, more of its sales coming 
there. And Scandinavia has done, uh, for for various reasons, a better job with this. Uh, and there have been far fewer deaths than on the rest of the continent of Europe. Uh, even even Sweden, which had the let's just try the uh, opening everything up and, and go for herd immunity, um, and certainly produced uh, far worse numbers of, for cases and fatalities than the rest of Scandinavia. Uh, but Scandinavia's got just better numbers uh, than, than the rest of the continent. And, you know, it, it's, it's bars, it's sports. The, the numbers that are off uh, for the first half of the year, I think, are 11% for Carlsberg, 16% for Heineken. So not that much different, but the, the stocks are going in different directions today. And, you know, uh, bars are seemingly the one thing that everybody agrees, wow, that's where this, th- this stuff really spreads, is, is when you have indoor bars open. Yeah, I've I've been to as I said earlier, I've been on a plane. I've been to an indoor restaurant a couple of times. It's going to be a long time I think before you and I are uh, you know watching a game sitting at a bar somewhere together. Yeah. Yeah, uh that that is trouble for the the brewers and people are drinking more at home but they're not necessarily drinking uh, as much more beer at home as uh, harder things. Uh, I think those those sales are uh, doing better than, than beer, which is you know mostly consumed in groups and around events, um, parties, uh, sports. Uh, there's still plenty of room for your more sort of premium beers uh, to be enjoyed uh, by by you know in the one or two at a time but the the heinekens of the world are looking for people who are drinking more than two beers when they're drinking you can follow market foolery on twitter uh the handle is just at market foolery and if you go to at market foolery on twitter you'll see the description that we've put about the show for those unfamiliar it says analysts discussing stocks business investing news and occasional tangents and i mentioned that to let people know we've reached the occasional tangent section of the show. Before we get to Halloween candy, uh, as a New York Yankees fan, uh, were you pleased with the outcome of the World Series? Uh, or were you were you hoping for uh, Tampa to bring it home? Uh, well, the Dodgers are one of the longtime um, you know, foes of the Yankees. So if I had been rooting for anybody, I would have been rooting for Tampa. Uh, I was rooting for a Game 7 really, uh, at uh, the point that it got to, uh, you know, game five, six, I was really look, rooting for that. I didn't watch a lot of the series because I was licking my wounds from uh, the Yankees being beaten by the Rays. Credit to them for doing what they've done. Uh, you know, uh, you as a Boston Red Sox fan, are you still, Do you? I mean, are you, you're just trying to forget about the existence of baseball for the foreseeable future, I assume? Like, like all Red Sox fans, I'm trying to forget that inexplicably uh, the owner said, ah, we should get rid of this Mookie Betts guy. Uh, we're we're going to go on an austerity plan now, and, and we're going we're gonna to get rid of Mookie Betts. Uh, I, um, nothing but respect for the Tampa Rays. I, uh, I was rooting ever so slightly for the Dodgers just because of, I'm a fan of Mookie Betts. 
And uh, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, holds a special plate, place in the hearts of, uh, of all Red Sox fans of a certain age who lived through decades of futility before finally getting to the top of the mountain in 2004 and Dave Roberts playing a, a key role in that. So um, happy for the Dodgers, but yeah, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while for the Red Sox the way they're currently constructed. Um, all right, we got just a couple minutes left. Halloween candy, overrated, underrated. Um, let's do overrated first. What's your overrated Halloween candy? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to retire the category here. I'm, I'm going to bring the thing that is the most overrated. And, and when I reveal it to you, you're going to be like, Oh, yeah. Come to think of it, yes. And that's Pop Rocks. Is that a Halloween candy? Yes, yes. You will, you will. If you go through your kids' uh, candy at the end of the night uh, on any given Halloween, and they've been out doing the whole neighborhood, yeah, they'll come back with some Pop Rocks, which you know have this gimmick. They are painful. And as a kid, that seems like, ooh, this is, this is interesting. This is exciting uh, but, and dangerous. But, you know, it's, uh, can you imagine an impulse purchase of Pop Rocks? Like, well, I haven't had one of these for a while. I'll, yeah, Pop Rocks, that, I, that, that, that would taste great. That, no, can, I can't. Can you imagine that? No. Like I'm, I get like I had as much fun with Pop Rocks when I was a kid, like the one or two times, and then you're like, oh yeah, you know that was fun. I'll do it again next year. But uh, no, Pop Rocks. I think that's a str- I think that's a strong choice. The the the, the seasonal choice that I'm going to go with is uh, caramel apples, uh, because it's the only time of the year that we really see caramel apples. And caramel apples on a stick is such a horrible execution. The, the, the two tastes work together, but just do it at home. Slice up a fresh apple, heat up some caramel sauce, dip it in that way, do it that way. But just the, the traditional caramel apple on a stick is just awful. Yeah, I don't know how highly rated they are anymore. You know, everything that's not in a wrapper today is presumed to be uh, right. potentially lethal. Uh, so uh, that, that kind of thing, the homemade cookies, your apples, your caramel apples that were given out, uh, when we were kids, uh, you know, don't, don't get a lot of, uh, play these days. Underrated. What are you going with? And, and by the way, I just want to return to, I, I understand that Jason Moser said that the Hershey bar was overrated. The basic Hershey bar. Yes. He did. Say That's that. outrageous. That's outrageous. <laughs> And it's a slap against orphans, and I won't have it. <laughs> I, I don't think he was talking about the Hershey Company and the legacy of Milton Hershey and the good work he did with the School for Orphans. I don't think he was talking about any of that. I think he was just focused on the basic candy bar. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think it's, it's uh, you know, an attack on, on the orphanages of this country, if they still exist. And... Uh, you know the the Milton Hershey uh, fund having uh, the Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, twelve billion dollar endowment, uh, one of the great charity uh, acts uh, of, of modern history, and uh, under threat from Jason Moser, who wants I, I, people to buy fewer Hershey bars, and and the school still exists off of you know the the stock price of Hershey. So I say. I, I say he needs to apologize. I, I don't think that's where he was going. What are you doing for underrated? Uh, underrated, um, 
Can you give? I, I, I'll give mine. I forgot what it was for just a second, but give yours. Mine is Whoppers, and the reason I say that is because if you like Whoppers, as I do, uh, what you quickly find out is there are plenty of people out there who do not like Whoppers at all, and yet it's frequently given out as a Halloween candy. So it is. It is the value play of Halloween candy because when at the end of the night you're trading with your siblings or the next day you're trading with your friends if you like whoppers you can give away just a you can do like one for five trades that's how hated whoppers are <laughs> so many people dislike them that you can just be like i'll give you this one uh crackle and why don't you give me those five uh little bags of whoppers and people would be like done i'm happy I'm- to give these away I'm going to tell you uh, along the same lines, and maybe even more so, the almond joy, which the kids just can't appreciate. And the, you know, like it's almonds. Who needs that? You're not even on board the coconut a lot of the time. But if you are, you, you just want the chocolate and, and coconut on mounds. So the the addition of the almond, which actually to the more adult palate. And by the way, I'm not saying that the taste of an almond joy is all that adult, but you know more so than the competi- the competition which is mounds yeah you can you can basically when you go into your kids room and you start stealing their candy they're like <laughs> trying to give you the almond joy like they'll pay you to take the almond joys and you know, so you can if you play your cards right end up not only with almond joys but with a few bucks just stealing candy from your kids it's a perfect way to end bill barker thanks for being here Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We are off tomorrow, but we're back on Monday. We'll see you then.